internet, my name is Walter C80 Svedchuk, and welcome to another edition of Rough Drafts Presents Final Cut, our movie reaction review. We just want to talk about a movie. We don't want to talk about esports podcast slash video cast slash whatever you want to call it. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, last weekend, my my good friend and I, uh, Chase Wassner, on separate sides of the country decided to uh, watch two movies in one weekend. Kind of an incredible feat of strength. I think we both had intentions of just double-headering them back-to-back, and then we decided against that because, like, six hours of sitting in a movie theater is is kind of much. Even when you get into one of those theaters like I was, the nice, like, reclinable chairs, big leather leather recliners, they're very comfortable. Uh, But we did them on separate days, and we enjoyed both movies, and we wanted to talk about both of them. So let me properly introduce him, Chase Redshirt King Wassner. Chase, now that the movie watching is kind of out of the way, how, how are you feeling? How, how's your day gone? It's gone great. Look, I, double headers are hard because getting six hours of my life in which I'm doing nothing uh, in a row is difficult. But I am so glad we made time for both of these movies. I'm glad, mostly, I'm glad we made time for the movie I'm talking about today because I was always going to see the second movie on our list but this was a film that i heard from my one of my best friends in the whole world emily meyer shout out to you if you're listening to this she told me that this was her favorite movie of the last three years and this is someone who has gone to school for film she's going to get a master's in film this is what she does and if she tells me that then clearly this is going to be good. And even with that high bar in my mind, this movie exceeded all expectations, and I love everything about it. And I can't wait to talk more we about B-A-B-Y, <laughs> baby. Yeah, we can, we, can, we can spoil what movies we're talking about. I don't know why we were so... Uh, it's so in the like, title, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah Baby Driver. We, we both went and saw Baby Driver, and if you know what else came out that weekend, then the second movie we watched was Spider-Man Homecoming. Let's just yeah. spoil the next episode of this, too. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm a terrible person. That's all I have to say. Spoiler alert. Well, um, but, but no more spoiler alerts from this point forward, right? We're going to yeah. try a spoiler-free episode yeah, I, for once? I, I, like, you, like you said in pre-call, I don't think there's really anything to spoil in this movie there's there's like one or two little little things here and there that we'll just kind of dodge and not really bring up um but yeah it was it was the same thing it was like this that last weekend my intention was i was gonna go see spider-man homecoming and that was it and then all of a sudden the universe itself opened up and every review about baby driver was like it's amazing you have to see it it's fantastic you have to see it you have to see it and I occasionally do like to go see, like, just really good cinema, like uh, The Revenant with, with Leo DiCaprio. Like, that was not a normal movie that I would go see, but because it had such great critical acclaim and it was, like, Oscar level and, and all these crazy things, like, I had to watch it. And I watched it in a small theater, you know, three, four weeks after it came out. But this, like, opening day you know, a couple days after opening day, empty theater, and then it, like, slowly trickled in, and there was probably... 15 or 20 people in the entire theater. But at the end, you could tell everyone had a hell of a time and everyone loved what they had just spent their time on. And there was definitely some people who at the end of it were just kind of sitting in their chair, just like having that like, wow, just just moment. So Chase, uh, you know, going into this, what I know 
I know you absolutely love the movie. I absolutely love the movie. Let, let's start like narrowing down some of the things that we enjoyed most about it. So overall, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite concept? Like, What about the movie sticks out to you above all else? Well, I mean, if we're going to start with you know what stands out about the movie, it's got to start with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright is a director who is among my favorite directors in Hollywood, and right now is the guy that I'm going to be watching basically everything he does from this point forward. I already knew that I liked him. I've seen every all, all of the Cornetto trilogy. I think they're all great. Um, there's a great YouTuber, Every Frame of Painting, who did a series on Edgar Wright's framing and how he does action and how that accentuates the comedy in many cases. Uh, and, and there's just something so crisp to the way that he directs things. And you'll see that in Baby Driver quite a bit. Something as simple as when Kevin Spacey is stacking money on a desk. It's very neat and even, and it's in time with all of the beats. And I, I think that that's something that's always been in his style. And that was something I expect from him. What I didn't expect, when people were talking about, oh man, the Baby Driver soundtrack is incredible. Like, I've heard of a lot of good soundtracks before, right? You know, we, we can all think of, you know, a few films off the top of our heads that had songs that we really liked. Some of them are the orchestral stuff. You know, we have the, you know, modern pop stuff for the you know, right kind of movies. You could go to a jukebox musical like Moulin Rouge for people that really enjoyed that. Um, I did not realize that this was a movie that started with the soundtrack and then built the script around it, which is something that I have now found since watching the film. That is how he wrote this script. He came up with the idea in his mind, came up with songs that he thought would match the moods of all of these kind of paces, <laughs> and then wrote the scene to match the action beats so that they were perfectly in time with the music. And that blend of music and real-world action as it came through coalesced into something that is... It's incredible. It, it transcends what I usually think of when I think of film. It's somebody taking something in film design that I like and, and taking his way of doing it, which I love, and combining it to elevate both somehow. Just everything about the way the, the soundtrack came together with the world's movement was incredible. And it made every scene really fun or interesting or tense or whatever atmosphere it was going for. It hit every note possible because it was so deliberately chosen when you were going to have which beats. And for the record, if you don't have the Baby Driver soundtrack on your Spotify right now, you are missing out. It's on there. Just search Baby Driver, download all the songs. It's a great soundtrack. On its own, it's great. After seeing the film, it's going to raise to like 10 more levels for you because you're going to see all of your favorite scenes whenever you hear the songs because now those songs are inextricably linked to those scenes for me because they so perfectly mesh. And if you're going to take away anything from this, it's that. This is a perfectly blended together film, and it comes from just one of the, the greatest creative minds of the current generation it, it, of filmmakers. It's like he took one of those really crappy, like, share, you know, 30 songs in 30 days memes and, like, threw them all together. It's like, all right, now here we go. This is the story that it's going to tell. Um, I, I, I heard Edgar Wright's name and all these people are talking about Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright. I'm not a huge film person, so I didn't, I didn't know I knew who he was. And then just right before I looked it up, cause I'm like, all right, I gotta know who this director is. And I'm like, oh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, World's End. Oh, 
okay, no wonder it felt so familiar. And and it did. Th- while I was watching it, I was like, something about this movie feels familiar. And not and not the story, not the actors, you know, not, nothing like that, but the actual the cinema of it, how it was being portrayed, how everything was moving, the the music rhythm, you know, pulling all of that together. It all felt very familiar to me and I I truly like lost myself in the music. And I'm the type of person that like I'll be sitting in my car at a red light and a song that comes on that I like and I'll drum to it. I'll tap on the side of the door. That that opening scene with Baby where he's in his car and, you know, doing all the, the you know, flipping the windshield wipers and all that. Like, normal people do that too. And and that was, it was it was great. Just the, the, the setting of the music to everything and building in all of the natural occurring sounds into the rhythm, everything, how baby and that and like second scene where he's getting coffee is walking and his movements are in rhythm, everything. It was and, so... and the guy talking on the phone, it's like the, the words are coming in at the right beats and the cars come in and swerve at the right moments. I mean, Look, it, it's one thing, and it, and we haven't even mentioned like what kind of film this is. If you have no idea what Baby Driver is, you're just like, what are they talking about the soundtrack? Okay. What kind of film is it? I, I okay. want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts on what kind of a movie this is. How do you genreize this? Well, look, it comes down to a comedy action film. That's that's the title that it's given itself. That's the title I'm willing to give it. It has the action beats and that he is a getaway driver for this group of criminals and it's all about you know he's got to make it out of this tough road and that tough life because he's a good kid and he wants to make his way like we've heard some of those elements before but that's a fun story to get through um and then you have the comedy bits you know the idea of the relationship that he has and the kind of the, the way that these characters bounce off of each other and are larger than life so it's it's a really great exploration of both of those genres and then building up both of those elements these kind of basic tendencies that we've seen in film time and time again and using a brilliant soundtrack and a brilliant staging from start to finish to elevate it well beyond that and i i think that it's it, it's one of those things that any one piece of this movie would have been a good movie like if you just had the action scenes as they stood some of the most interesting, fun car chases I've seen in a while. Like, it's really amazing that, the stunt work that they do. Those stunt drivers got, like, Ooh. man, those must be some of the best stunt drivers on the planet because just what they were pulling off is phenomenal. I, I don't remember where I was. It was at some theme park where they did one of these, like, how stunt drive like stunt shows essentially, but with cars and, like, showing, like, oh, here's how we drive cars backwards. It's like, oh, there's... They actually are driving it forwards. It's just the car is built in reverse type thing. Like all these interesting little tricks. And every time they're doing something, I was like, oh, I know how they do that. But that was still really freaking cool to watch. Like it, it was it was amazing. Um, for me, it, I, I, I'm going to take out action. I'm going to put heist. It was what? like a comedy heist movie to me. Not like an Ocean's 11, 12, 13 type thing. But it, it felt like it wasn't just an action movie. It was the the concept of like we have to go stake this building out we're getting this score we're doing and it had all those kind of elements and and traditionally in heist movies gone in 60 seconds the italian job they have the while it's over more people i think it has all of the kind of relationship building and the distrust between you know people inside and there's always that one kind of 
aggressive dude that you know is going to throw everything out of whack and it's going to be his fault and there's the one you know super mastermind that's like i have dirt on the protagonist and, and, and like all this other stuff and and to me that's where i i push it more into that kind of subset of action where it was it was a heist it was about the score it was about all these things it was constantly talking about the score the score i'm out i'm in all this kind of stuff uh and then yeah the comedy aspect there there are some there's some fantastically funny bits of this. Anytime he's with his uh, his his foster dad, where he's dancing, where you know they're signing to each other, like that was a really cool wrinkle that added into everything. That yeah, sorry, I just wanted to Go point ahead, out yeah. like my uh, my friend Emily, the the film major I mentioned earlier, she took American Sign Language at university, and so she has verified to me all of the signing they did was a hundred percent accurate. It wasn't stage signing; it was oh, actual I, sign language. I had no doubt. And the other thing that I, I've heard, I've, I've looked on Twitter and people who have tinnitus, you know, they said that this is the most accurate portrayal of tinnitus that they have seen in a film. Um, so I really, I, I think that that's a, yet another piece of evidence of this attention to detail that Edgar Wright had throughout all of the film. Uh, and it really does accentuate those moments because when you see the signing back and forth, like these are real characters in this real moment of connecting to each other and it, it affects the way that they see the world and you, you build up this, this sympathy for, for Baby. And I, I think that it's so important to understand that he is someone that you are going to be rooting for this entire movie. He's a good kid, a good kid stuck in a bad world and we just want him to get out. And it's, it's something that is, you know, on its base level, very simple, but it's executed so brilliantly and they do so many little things to make him more likable. And then you surround him with all of these larger-than-life, villain-esque <laughs> characters. I mean, tell me the joke that you told me going in, because I think the the viewers need to hear this one. Well, I, I can't tell the punchline of the joke, but well, basically, yeah, but, I mean, you but, can. but basic, basically, the the joke that I came up with was that Kevin Spacey, John Hamm, and Jamie Foxx walk into a bar. Who's the bad guy? There you go. <laughs> How fun finding out, people? Because <laughs> at like multiple points in their career, you've had all three of those guys play like snarky kind. I think like Madman John Hamm. I think mm -hmm. Kevin Spacey is Francis Underwood, where you can say he's a bad guy or not. You can say um, John Hamm and Madman is a bad guy or not. You can say multiple films. Jamie Foxx's Men is as a bad guy, like that kind of antihero, and they all play back and forth across this line of. Am I a bad guy? Am I really a good guy? Am I a bad guy? Am I a really a good guy? Like, how is this going to end up? And who is the ultimate villain that, that Baby Driver is eventually going to have to, you know, overcome? Because we know, like, every good thief, like, a good thief's just, you know, good thieves die old. Like, they die in their old age. Like, he's not just going to get out at, you know, however old he is, 22, 23, just because he wants to get out. You're, like, constantly going to get sucked back in, uh, as Doc so aptly does. Um, I want to ask you, because we talked about all this good stuff, was there anything, like, what, what's what's the worst of the good? What What's, like, if you're if you're ranking everything, what's the one thing that you, you tweak a little, you change a little, you didn't like? You... Well, let me be clear. Uh, change? Probably nothing. Okay. This is... This is, in my opinion, this is the best film I've seen in the last two years. Just straight up, I loved everything about this. It hit all of the things that I love about film. And, and let me be clear, I've always been an Edgar Wright fan. I, I think he's fascinating. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is one of the most underrated films if you just look at how it was received critically and, and financially versus 
you know, where it stands. I, I think that history's been kind to that. Yep. I, I think that he's, you know, I, I think that so much of, of how he builds films appeals to me. And I thought that all of the acting performances we got in here, I mean, again, Kevin Spacey, John Hamm, and J.B. Fox, not only are they great as, like, you know, are they heroes, villains? Like, they can hit that kind of intimidating space really well. Mm -hmm. But they're just great actors. And, and, and Lily James, I think she's been doing great stuff. I'm not really interested in her kind of movies, but, like, I know people who went to go see Cinderella, and they thought she was great in that. Uh, John Barenthal, like, do we not remember the greatest uh, castle, uh, you know, uh, in Frank Castle in the Daredevil show? Like, he was... He's a bank robber in this. Uh, you know, there, there's so many fun moments like that. Um, I, I wouldn't change any of that. I wouldn't change casting. I wouldn't change the general breakdown of the film. If, if maybe there's one element, if I had to, like, nitpickiest of the nitpicks, I feel like Kevin Spacey's character towards the end makes a decision that I'm not sure was foreshadowed as much as I would have liked. I'm keeping it vague because I don't want to do any spoilers. But I felt like perhaps there are certain elements of his character that would have made that make more natural sense instead of feeling like, well, he, this is what he has to do because we need to get to the ending and we know what kind of ending we're looking for here. Um, I, and, and let me be clear, this is like the nitpickiest of the nitpicks. And I know somebody in the comments is going to be like, no, actually, it makes sense because he made this comment earlier. And, and, you know, let me be clear. This is a really good film. It's really good. This is the nitpickiest of nitpicks. And honestly, I probably wouldn't even change it because whatever you'd have to do to add that in would throw off the tempo from everything else. So I, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I think this is uh, a well-earned 96% on the tomato meter. I, I honestly, it's one of those films where I just feel badly for anyone who didn't like it. Like if you somehow came out of, of Baby Driver and you're like, oh man, that wasn't what I hoped it would be like. I, like, I'm just, I'm sorry for you that yeah. you couldn't find the joy and excitement and, and everything else that I find from this, because this is just everything I love about filmmaking. And if you've listened to any of this and you've listened to our previous episodes and you can see the kind of films that Walter and I gravitate to, do not hesitate. Do not wait be like, oh, well, you know, movies are expensive. I don't want to go see it in theaters. No, go. Go see it and have a wonderful time. This is this is definitely a movie that you have to see on the big screen. Like if if you're waiting for this to come out on like Redbox or you're gonna torrent it or whatever, like you are doing this movie a disservice because it needs to play out in this larger than life aspect. Because and, and, and as much as it's it's hyper focused, it it doesn't stray away much from the city of Atlanta, Chase. Like it's yeah. very it's very hyper centralized. There's no like there's no flashbacks to like, oh, you know, John Hamm's character doing some other heist. Like there's none of that, like Ocean's Eleven, let me introduce everyone. It's you are dropped in the middle of this. You don't really learn anything about anyone's background other than a couple of brief questions that happen here and there that start to, you know, show you what type of person they are. There's a great scene in the diner where they get a couple of things. But, like, that's the thing. Like, we get so little, mom so many, so few moments of really diving into this that when we have those character things that we deep dive in and we, it, it, it just adds so much more to the relationships that these characters have. And I, I think that specifically the conversation between John Hamm and Jamie Foxx uh, is just, it's perfect. It is, you, you could cut the tension not even with a knife, like a toothpick. You, you can, would just be able to 
Oh my goodness. You, you can feel the heat physically coming off of the screen and the intensity. And that that scene, I didn't expect it from those two. Like, that's what I feel like is missing to me. The the And maybe this is just because I just finished watching the newest season of House of Cards. I didn't have that hyper-intense Kevin Spacey scene where he completely dominates your entire field of vision and nothing else exists. The, like, there's one moment where they kind of go that way. I was going to say, there's one moment I, I can think the, of. The, the moment where he's he, he pulls Baby back in, basically. It, it's where he starts to go that way. But I, I wanted him to actually say, this is what happens if you say no. Like, that would have been the... the the like the no i'm in charge you're a kid you're gonna listen to me and, well, and he does to be fair he, but, but he, he says doesn't... i don't have to tell you and then lists all of the things he's basically threatening that he's gonna do i i that's not something i have a problem with kevin spacey has his moment again I, again this is this is me to me it didn't feel like that way like i i i, I know what scene i know the scene i it just didn't have the intensity that I'm used to from Kevin Spacey, especially as Frank Underwood, because I still notice um, Baby's reaction, and I still I'm still being sympathetic with Baby. Like that was where I wanted Kevin Spacey to kill the like to totally crush the sympathy and amplify it into holy crap! Like he he's in a no win situation here. Like there's because the entire time I'm going well, like he's a driver, he can just drive away. Like oh, he, comedy. That's that's my answer to that's going to be it's a comedy, yeah, and I don't fair. think they wanted to go that's, wholly that's, dark and suck fair. out the the sympathy that's out fair. of the room. But look, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way: if you're listening to this, and you're like, man, they sound like the dumbest nitpicks ever. Sorry, we don't have any other flaws to talk about. Like we're 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 out of flaws really, to talk about. It's really good. It's really good. I, I I will admit it's it's not my favorite movie. Not because it's bad, not because I dislike anything. It's just I I don't have the same literary appreciation for film that I'm that you have, Chase, and that you've pretty broadly described on whenever we do these shows. It, but it was a fantastic movie. Like I would watch it again. I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix. I'll buy I'm it. Like for an excuse to go watch it in theaters again now. <laughs> like movie tickets are way too expensive, yeah. and I'm out. I'm going out of my way to be like, is there anyone? like even remotely related to my friend group who hasn't seen this yet. Um, I, I, look, I'm going to put it this way. I, I have a rule that before I put any movie in my top 10 favorite movies of all time, I have to rewatch it. I have to have seen it a second time and be able to say like, you know what? I still love this even when I already know some of the beats that are going to happen. Yeah. This could be a top three film. This, this feels like a movie though. Every time you watch it, you're going to pick up more. Yeah, it feels could... it feels like there's so many layers that you're gonna rewatch this ten you know ten years from now for the thirtieth time. And be like, I never noticed that he did that because I pick up on things in in you know uh, Scott Pilgrim or uh, Shaun of the Dead that I'm like oh, I never noticed this tiny little thing before. And I watch Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead like forty fifty times. Like I yeah. love those movies. And again, no wonder this movie felt so familiar with me. Some of my favorite movies are directed by the same director of this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to direct you, and we really should include this in the comments. Go watch the Every Frame of Painting video. It's like seven minutes long, and it really delves into exactly how he so deliberately frames his shots. It, and it is 
I mean, it, you'll see all of this. Like all the examples they're using, obviously, since it's a video from three years ago, are from previous films. Mm -hmm. But you will see all of those elements. If you're like, man, this is a guy who clearly does understand what it means to be a director and how yeah. to create interesting moments. Guess what? This is his latest film. He takes all the lessons he learned from that, has it even better, and does so with the framework of the soundtrack that is going to win every award at the Oscars this year. So just get excited for it to be underrated and all the other discussions, but to get the soundtrack awards and you know original songs and whatever. Um, I'm going to go listen to the Is It Slow mix, which is actually on Spotify now. You can listen to Is It Slow. You guys don't know what that is yet. Enjoy the movie. But I have listened to that at least 10 times today. I, I got to ask you, since you bring up Oscars, this is going yes. to win so, like a bunch of Academy Awards, Oscar-type stuff across the board. Like, uh, he should... We'll see. I, yeah, we'll see where... This, how... this is... The problem with the Oscars is that, A, they're bullshit. And B, they have a very particular idea of what a film should be yeah and true. a guy who's like this kind of weird different different mindset looks at at film as as these kind of different parts edgar wright mm -hmm. that's never what they go for that's unfortunately fair. or very and, rarely and detroit is coming out this year <laughs> and detroit's coming out this year dunkirk is going to get a lot of awards oh, dunkirk is a film that is being made to yeah. get a lot of awards yeah. and for the record Dunkirk could be great. I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm just saying if you're people who are, are hyped about Baby Driver like myself, like temper those expectations now. If it gets a best picture nod, just a nomination, it's huge. we should be happy because films in this genre don't get their very think about any other film in that genre. Like when was the last time we saw something like this? get in that conversation that's really where we should set the bar let it get its best original soundtrack let it get its you know the kind of the it'll get some warm hopefully for Lighting the cinematography yeah. would be where i think it would it would yeah. maybe get the most that, traction. that's why they'll give edgar wright be like we're not giving you best director but here's your best director award because this was fantastically done type thing. yeah that, that that's where it's going to be so look at it for the uh the undercard of the oscars if you will <laughs> but that's... but but here here's here's the question because yes this this is not a Kevin Spacey, John Hamm, Jamie Foxx movie. It's not. No. They are very clearly the supporting actors in this. Which, again, if you told me Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, and Kevin Spacey are going to be supporting actors in a movie, I'd go, well, who's the lead? Brad Pitt? Like, Ben <laughs> Affleck? Like, is this going to be, is this the new Batman movie or something? Out of those three, which one do you think would be the most deserving of a Best Supporting Actor nomination, the award itself, you know, that, that type of thing. Well, I see. I, I'm just, I'm, all, I'm already ready to accept that they're not going to get one. I don't care. This is a hypothetical question. Out of those three, I, I'm curious who you John think. John Hamm okay. would be the one who could get an, who could get an act. But, like, honestly, I, I think that Ansel Elgort, the lead here, you know, this is a guy you mentioned, like, he's not, you know, Kevin Spacey, John Hamm, Jamie Foxx, Lily James, even in her circle, like, those are big names. Ansel Edgord is a name that you might not have heard if you're not currently in high school and probably a girl because the Divergent series were directly aimed at that target audience. And I do not say that as a criticism, to be clear. Like, every generation needs movies targeted towards them. I don't see that as a negative. Mm -hmm. But this is a guy who, if you're you know, a little bit older and you're in the mainstream, you might not have realized just how much he's been doing. 
he's been putting in great work as leading man uh, as a leading man or, or at least you know right underneath uh, in in some of these kind of teen girl movies and man i can't wait to see what he goes on to do like he is such a, an easy guy to like you know you look at you know the southern good old boy uh you know you think about Tom Hanks from Forrest Gump, right? It's not not, that, not exact McConaughey. Yeah, you're 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 in that kind of like, man, I really like this guy, and he's nice and interesting, and I, I want him to be happy. He this, has a weird. This way is the guy that's going to be in the Sweet Home Alabama remake. Oh please! Like I, please. I, I I had that thought of like just that Southern drawl is just perfect. Like, oh man! Oh, it was great. It, it yeah. was it, it was just fantastic. Ladies who uh, who enjoy that kind of thing. You're gonna, well, there's a lot for the ladies in this one, mostly because John Hamm is is the greatest. John, John Hamm, yeah. Oh my God, but yeah, look, it's it's this is a great film. Uh, I I think to let, to, we should close on. This is a really great film. It's a fantastic film. You need to go see it if you haven't yet, and if you have, uh, and you want to go see it again, and you're in the Seattle area, let me know. Because I'm looking for excuses. Hit, hit, hit him up on the Twitters. Uh, for for me, my my closing thoughts. I'll, I'll give you a minute to to actually put like a final like tweet tweet kind of statement on this. Uh, it's a fantastic movie set in the 1960s, set in 2017 Atlanta. Yeah, that that is like how I sum up the movie. Is it it feels so utterly 60s 70s high style like original Italian job. And it's set in 2017 Atlanta, basically. Like, it was great. I loved it. It was great. It was a fantastic movie, fantastically put together. And, uh, yeah, you should all go watch it. Chase, any any last statement, defining statement for Baby Driver? I mean, Baby Driver speaks for itself. I, I think that this is one of the greatest, most interesting directors of our age putting out what one of in in my opinion the most interesting and fun movie that he has ever done and i know that hot fuzz exists and i know that Shaun of the dead exists i know that scott pilgrim exists and i love those movies oh i want to go watch scott pilgrim now but yeah that's the thing like a great film director makes you want to go back and be like man can i just see more of what he does can i please can we skip forward in time to what he's going to do next can we get ourselves to that um, because there's going to be, there's going to be more, and I'm going to watch every single bit of it. He's going to keep racking up all of these awards, especially over in the UK, uh, and, and he's going to deserve every bit of it. And man, I just, I hope we don't have to wait four years to see what he does next. There were yes, three years between has, Scott Pilgrim and World's End. He has and a there movie. Was four between that and Baby Driver. He has a movie called Shadows announced that is going to be his first animated film. Through DreamWorks, huh. huh? CGI animation. And we'll see. He's he's done a couple. He's acted in some animated things. Uh, for people that don't know, he was in Sing. Um, he was in he, Sing. Okay. Yeah, he was uh, he was Barry in Sing. For okay. people that watched and enjoyed that, he does. He's done some fun stuff. But look, I, I, live action in particular, I want to see what he does next. He he is someone that it's like, you know, when Quentin Tarantino or the Coen Brothers or any of those kinds of of people that's that's I, I guess the biggest takeaway i put yeah. from this is even if you're not some niche nerd who loves the cornetto trilogy you know and the obscure comedies that, that, that how dare you how yeah or whatever else um this is the film that i think to the wide world 
sets him in the conversation of great living American directors. Or, or, or great living directors, I should say. Because he's actually from the United Kingdom. He's not an American. I'm very sorry. Great British directors of the modern age. Guy's amazing. And I want to see everything that he does from now until the end of time. He could release five bad films, and I'm still going to be excited for the next one because this one was so good. I will believe that it's going to work itself out. But it's fine because he's not going to release five bad films because he's really good at making films. Ah. I, yeah, th this this movie, like, now that I know who he is, I'm going to be looking for his next movies because I've loved everything that he's done. Yeah. And everything's and, been fantastic. So. And, and, and for the record, go, uh, go follow Edgar Wright on Twitter. He's actually a very fun Twitter follower. Uh, very funny dude, um, very humble dude. He's uh, got a got a got a twisted sense of humor as you would expect from a guy who filmed Shot of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> you know, like he, he's great. Um, and you should follow us on Twitter too. I'm at Red Shirt King. If, yeah. Uh, if you guys want to talk to me about anything I said today, and or just share how much you love this film, I I would love to talk more about all of the things. And if you want to get an in individual conversations about spoiler stuff. You can go to our Discord. Maybe we'll set up a channel to talk about film stuff because we don't have one right now and probably should. That would be fun. Maybe, maybe the person who runs the Discord could, could take the five seconds to create a new channel for that. I don't know. Maybe the person who runs the Discord actually gave the other person talking about the person who runs the Discord administrative privileges so he can do whatever he wants with the Discord. Oh, uh, but that well, being that said... Case. Like Chase said, you can follow him at Red Shirt King. Uh, I am not humble on Twitter. I am about as far from humble as possible. You can follow me at C80s underscore LOL if you want to talk to the least humble person on the planet because I am a world heavyweight champion in my own mind and in this reality that is the rough drafts, uh, rough drafts world. And if you don't like it, too bad. And you can follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Uh, we've talked about Baby Driver. Now, come back. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to put it out today or if I'm going to put it out a day out later tomorrow. or whatever. Put I'll put tomorrow. it out tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the other movie that we saw last weekend, which is, of course, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, a character in a movie very, very near and dear to my heart. So thank you for joining us for Final Cut, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.